This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from markfiore.com, The Young Turks, The Jimmy Dore Show, The Progressive, The David Pakman Show, The Bugle, and The David Feldman Show. And be warned that this episode focuses on the Catholic Church and is therefore inappropriate for all ages. With the Pope resigning and scandals festering, the Catholic Church is in crisis. Hurry to the conclave! In their ancient meeting chamber, red-robed cardinals from across the globe must battle corruption and disgrace and find a new face. The Dean of the Cardinals, Angelo the Clam Sedano, excels at the dark art of the pedophile cover-up and has swept some of the evilest abusers under Vatican vestments. While Cardinal Mahoney, the shuffler, arrived at the conclave fresh off a deposition delving into his past crimes of hiding child rapists in various states and countries. Maybe German Cardinal Ratzinger is the one, and people won't notice he helped keep crimes hidden too. Oops, he's already been Pope, and is off to live in a freshly remodeled 4,300 square foot cloistered nunnery with tastefully appointed immunity. Out with the nuns, in with the former Pope. Maybe it'll be a bold, brash American Pope like Cardinal Tim Dolan, who paid predators $20,000 to make them go away. Whoever said the money changers can't work for you? But surely this character isn't fit to be Pope. He blabs all about corruption, is a liberal when it comes to women in the church, and he's never said anything about priests being celibate. It's a new day for a new leader to be chosen by the old leaders from the old days. So hurry to the conclave! saw white smoke and all of a sudden we have a new pope we also have an old pope so this kind of two popes but nonetheless habemus second papam okay now he's in charge uh, it is cardinal jorge mario margolio there's no need to say it that way <laughs> he is argentinian uh, uh i will do this joke for the third time now they couldn't get messy so they went with margolio I don't, I'm pretty sure that's not how you pronounce it. Anyway, uh, so uh, Argentinian comes in. First time it's a Latin American uh, pope. It's the first time it's a Jesuit priest uh, that has become pope. Uh, he gets to wear the funny red shoes and the uh, whole outfit, and he's got the funny hat. He gets to go up on that big uh, grand stage and balcony, and everybody goes crazy. People in the crowd are crying. They go, oh, my God, we've got a new pope. You don't know anything about it. What do you know about it? To, uh, you know what I would have done if I was on the ground? I would have gone up to the people who were crying and be like, all right, tell me one fact about Bergoglio. Just one. I mean, like, you're so excited. Like, oh, my God, here we have Yes! Yes! Oh, hey, Mario! Okay, all right, one thing about it. I don't know. Okay. Now, presumably, the guys from Argentina would know him, but I get it, I get it. Catholics think that this guy talks to God, so they're pretty excited that we've got a new communicator. And since there's now two popes, which never happened before, 
when do they hand that off? <laughs> is it, is, you know, a Pope Benedict said, wait, I, I'm losing you. Wait, sit, come again? Now, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, no. The line dropped. Right? Meanwhile, uh, now he's Pope Francis, by the way. Uh, Pope Francis, like, I can hear you now. <laughs> they do the Vulcan mind melt. Is it when the white smoke comes out? Is it there's some official ceremony at 4.30 in the morning? Is that when God comes in and gives his first text? Like, I'm here, man. Okay, here are my new ideas. In fact, of course, when we look at uh, Pope Francis's new ideas, they, of course, seem remarkably similar to Pope Benedict's old ideas. So, indeed, tale of two popes. They're both anti-contraception, anti-abortion, anti-gay marriage. Uh, and look, they've both spoken against poverty in powerful ways, so give them credit on that. Okay, now, uh, Pope Francis is a complicated character. Okay, This is not an easy person to say he's bad guy, he's a good guy, etc. Now, in 2010, on the issue of gay marriage and gay adoption, he was dead set against it in Argentina, his home country. He said the Argentine people will face a situation whose outcome can seriously harm the family. Now look, he's a cardinal. Of course they're going to say that, right? So I'm not shocked and chagrined by that. I, I don't agree with it, obviously. Uh, but then he gets a little deeper into the weeds, and mm, this isn't good. Uh, at stake is the identity and survival of the family, father, mother, and children. At stake are the lives of many children who will be discriminated against in advance and deprived of their human development given by a father and a mother and willed by God. At stake is the total rejection of God's law engraved in our hearts. Eh, getting a little harsher and harsher as we go along. There's some reports that he is uh, in an Italian version of Opus Dei. Well, I thought Opus Dei was Italian. But anyway, uh, now remember, even though he's Argent Argentinian, his family is originally Italian. So this is the first time they've had a non-European pope. But it's the Vatican being like, well, he's kind of still one of us. I mean, he's South American, but he's at least Italian. You know what I'm saying? Paisan, come on in. Uh, now, when uh, talking about gay marriage and adoption, he got even worse. He said that adopting those uh, laws in Argentina would be, quote, a move of the father of lies who seeks to confuse and deceive the children of God. Damn. The father of lies, of course, is Satan. So he's saying gay adoption, gay marriage is Satan's work. Okay, even for a cardinal, that's pretty strong. Now, on the other hand, he has gone back in 2001, for example, to take care of AIDS patients. He washed them and he kissed their feet. So that's pretty serious. I mean, that's a real show of respect, at least. So that's a, he's a fascinating character. He uh, takes a bus to work in Argentina. Now he'll be taking the Pope mobile, but still. Okay, and uh, and he cooks his own food, which is hilarious. That that's like a big point of pride for like what a humble man he cooks his own food. <laughs> a lot of us cook our own food. Now for me, it's cereal, but nonetheless, okay. So, but still, for a cardinal, that's a big deal. And he often visited the slums of Argentina. So, and he cares deeply about the poor, and that that's also true too. And we'll get to that in a second. When you uh, talk to his official biographer Sergio Rubin, he says he's complicated. He says, "quote." Is uh, Bergoglio a progressive, a libertarian theologist even? No. He's no third world priest. Does he criticize the International Monetary Fund and neoliberalism? Yes. Does he spend a great deal of time in the slums? Yes. So he's a complicated character, and you know there might be some hope and change, or pope and change. Okay. <laughs> 
But you know, to be fair to Pope Benedict, he was pretty good about the issues of the poor and the bankers being uh, too greedy and setting up uh, the wrong kind of system too. Now, Pope Francis back in, in 2007, of course, when he was Cardinal Bergoglio, said, we live in the most unequal part of the world, which has grown the most, yet reduced misery the least, he said. The unjust distribution of goods persists, creating a situation of social sin that cries out to heaven and limits the possibilities of a fuller life for so many of our brothers. Okay, so... When I read stuff like that and how often he visited the slums and he thinks that the world is set up an unequal system here and the rich are getting richer and they're getting greedier and he wants to fight back against that, well, of course, I'm in favor of that. But obviously, there's a lot of conservative leanings to it. Now, we get to the final issue here, which is back in 1976 when there was a military takeover in Argentina and they were going after a lot of the people who were, of course, uh, not on the military side, the military was right-wing. A couple of the priests that uh, Bergoglio was you know, working with uh, kept going to the slums when the military leadership said, do not go to the slums, because they didn't want people helping the poor or encouraging them, etc. Well, uh, one of the people uh, that were taken away, uh, two of those priests were taken away, uh, and it's written about in a book called The Silence by journalist Horacio Verbitsky. Uh, and the two priests were Orlando Urio and Francisco uh, Jalix. Um, always the worst pronouncer of names. Anyway, Urio uh, apparently, uh, according to the Associated Press, accused Bergoglio of effectively handing them over to the death squads by declining to tell the regime that he endorsed their work. And Bergoglio was an important priest at that time, a high-ranking official in the Society of uh, Jesus of Argentina. So. That's, that's some pretty heavy charges. Now, uh, Bergoglio fights back and tells the Associated Press, in essence, and Associated Press characterizes it this way. Both men were freed after Bergoglio took extraordinary behind-the-scenes actions to save them, including persuading dictator Jorge Videla's family priest to call him sick so that he could say Mass in the Junta's leader's home where he privately appealed for mercy. Now, that's his version of the facts. Who's right? Well, it's of course very hard to tell, but former Dean of Social Sciences at the University of Buenos Aires, Fortuna Melamachi, says, quote, history condemns him. So those are that's strong language about Bergoglio. It shows him to be opposed to all innovation in the church, and above all, during the dictatorship, it shows he was very cozy with the military. So, a mixed bag, obviously very conservative in some respects, and doesn't seem like much of a change from Pope Benedict. Now, on the other hand, there are some good moments, obviously, here, and he seems much more humble. There's a story uh, that it, he came in second. This is true. He came in second in the last round of voting to Pope Benedict. So he almost he was almost Pope that that time. But apparently, the story goes that he gave an emotional plea not to vote for him, and that's why Pope Benedict won. So that's interesting. The flip side to that is always flip sides, right? Is that you got 115 cardinals there? That is probably the most political environment you have ever seen. It probably puts the Democrats and Republicans to shame, right? For a guy to win that vote, he's probably pretty savvy. So there's a lot of like, oh, me? Oh, no, golly gee, don't vote for me. Oh, well, you look at that, I happen to win. Where's my red shoes? <laughs> so hard to know which way he's going to go. Obviously, there's some significant strikes against him, as there would be for almost anybody in his high-ranking position in this present-day Catholic Church. Obviously, how he deals with the controversies, including the sex scandals involving kids. Those, that's, of course, the rape and the molestations, etc. 
And then the gay sex scandals that apparently are going to hit the Vatican very soon, if you believe the Italian newspapers, which I do, uh, will determine a lot of his legacy. And he chose Pope Francis as his name because Francis was a reformer. Whether he can actually reform this church is a very open question. He's now in charge, so you can't say, well, he's doing this or that just to get along or to be able to move on up. Now we'll see what his true colors are. So, indeed, Habemus Papa. Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. This week, Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio was chosen Pope number 266. <laughs> He's the first Latin American Pope, the first Jesuit Pope, and the first Pope named Jorge Bergoglio. <laughs> Other than that, he pretty much looks like all the other ones. Being from Argentina, there are high hopes that the new pontiff will be zesty. <laughs> Bergoglio has taken the name Francis I, partly in tribute to St. Francis of Assisi, and also because it'll look good on the door. <laughs> he was said to be runner-up at the last papal election, which caused some embarrassment when Francis stalked out, screaming that he'd been robbed. <laughs> After his election Wednesday, the new pontiff thrilled the crowd with his appearance on the Vatican balcony, though some thought he should have played a few smaller rooms first to get his confidence up. <laughs> the new pope faces great challenges. For example, with 1.2 billion Catholics in the world, how does he attract new members? <laughs> Many are hoping he will initiate bold new ideas like, for example, priests who keep it in their pants. <laughs> but there's little doubt Pope Francis will be socially conservative. He's described gay marriage as the work of the devil and a destructive attack on God's plan. So already the winds of change are blowing. <laughs> One thing we know for sure, thanks to Benedict's surprise resignation, Francis will have to remain Pope until he dies or else the whole thing could start to look fishy. Well, at least this Pope never joined the Hitler Youth. I'm Matt Rothschild, the editor of the Progressive Magazine, with my Progressive Point of View, which you can also grab off our website over at Progressive.org. A new pope, a new scandal. Pope Francis was a senior official in the Catholic Church in Argentina during the Dirty War in the 1970s, when the Argentine military brutally killed between 25,000 and 30,000 people. 
The military was infamous for torturing prisoners, throwing them out of airplanes, and even butchering women in their last month of pregnancy and taking their babies away to be adopted by members of the upper class. While all this was going on, the Catholic Church in Argentina was shamefully silent and worse, cozying up to the military leaders. The upper clergy were noticeably sympathetic to the military. Larry Burns, director of the Council on Hemispheric Affairs in Washington, told me last night by phone. Burns, who visited Argentina many times, says, I remember the feelings of frustration and anger that the church wasn't a friend of the cause of human rights. Pope Francis himself allegedly had connections with the Argentine military, according to a leading local journalist who mentioned him unflatteringly in a book, as well as a human rights lawyer in Argentina who filed a suit against him for allegedly not standing up for two priests whom the military had kidnapped. Bergoglio has denied this and said he worked for their release, but what is undeniable is that the Catholic Church played a nasty role during the dirty war in Argentina. As in its other scandals, it's time for the church to come clean. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. I want to talk about something that has been going around. A lot of people have been asking me to address the alleged involvement of Pope Francis in the dirty war in my home country of Argentina. Now, I, I was born in Argentina shortly after the dictatorship ended, and I have been looking into all of the allegations, including that he was involved, that Pope Francis, the now Pope Francis, then as Cardinal Bergoglio, was um, involved in the disappearance of two priests. Now, this has been covered extensively by a lot of progressive media outlets, and the consensus seems to have been this is true. I've done a lot of research into this. I've talked to people in Argentina. I've talked to family members. I've looked at a number of different reports about this, and I've issued a number of criticisms about Pope Francis, including the position on gay marriage, birth control, the total lack of grounding in anything remotely uh, contemporary when it comes to the positions of the Catholic Church and the fact that, by all indications, he's going to continue that. However, I don't want to make allegations that aren't true. And the allegations about his involvement in the dirty war do not appear to be true, and more and more information is coming out about this, and I'm seeing hesitation from progressive media to take this on, to retract some of the statements that they've made, and that's concerning to me, Lewis. All right. Uh, Ex-Judge Stracera, who was involved in the military tribunals during the dictatorship in Argentina, an individual who, what can we say uh, uh, about Judge Stracera and Atan? I can't really say without reproach, but based on his position and, and, and today's uh, uh, position, we have no reason to think that there would be lies coming, right? Well, it, I mean, if you're going to make it an issue of credibility, there can always be someone lying. So, yeah. I mean, but basically the issue is that according to the uh, testimony of witnesses uh, during the dirty war, there weren't any, uh, supposedly, according to this judge, right. there weren't any um, sort of accusations right. against 
Pope, now Pope Francis, Cardinal Bergoglio, in that period, in the post-war period. Right. So if you if you believe that, then obviously you know he's not a guy who's who was mixed up in things in general. Ex-Judge Stracera heard countless accusations about individuals involved in the naming and the involved with the dirty war and disappearances, etc. Many of those names mentioned were not actually guilty or complicit in anything. However, Cardinal Bergoglio's name was not even once mentioned, and this has been corroborated by a number of other officials. Now, there is an element here, which is that the Argentinian president, Christina Kirchner, maybe it's reasonable to think that she may not be happy that Pope Francis now has brought more attention to Argentina than she ever has been able to, and realistically, more than she ever will be able to, at least not for anything positive, and that that may be part of the allegations and the smear campaign. But my position now, after talking to, I would say, 10 or 12 people over the weekend and reading 15 or 25 articles about this, is that I don't think, I would not be comfortable saying that Pope Francis was involved in the dirty war, counter to what I said to Dennis Campbell during our, our interview, that I had read that. That's right. my position right now. Right. I just don't think there's enough information, really. But uh, there's still plenty of things we can say about him that no question about are not it. flattering. Absolutely. And those those are similar to what we've been saying about the Catholic Church for a while. And right. those are all still concerns. And my concern is no lower. And again, I'm not Catholic. I have no interest in the Catholic Church. I've been incredibly critical of the Catholic Church. My interest is just not making allegations that I don't believe to be true. And right now, I don't believe the uh, uh, his involvement with the dirty war is something I can report uh, and feel good about. Fair enough. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Top story this week! Ole, 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 ole. There's a pope, 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 the papal conclave. That was very much the uh, unspoken subtext of all the news reports. <laughs> yes, very yes, that's right. They just didn't have the balls to actually say it <laughs> or sing it. Say it, uh, Andy. The papal conclave clearly didn't take too long to put his fingers down his throat and throw up a pope. Because <laughs> on Wednesday, after just two days of discussion, white smoke billowed out of the Sistine Chapel and the Catholic Church took a bold new step into the future by electing an old white man with reactionary <laughs> views on homosexuality and birth control. But wait, this one speaks Spanish, so it's different! <laughs> ole, 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 there's a pope, 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 So, who de pope, Andy? Well, Jorge Mareo Bergoglio, he de pope. Or... 
as he is now called Pope Francis, or Rome's most eligible bachelor. If you like the thrill of the chase, ladies, look no further than Pope Francis. There is a man who is playing really hard to get. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting choice of name. After almost 2,000 years of waiting, we finally have the first ever Pope Frank, uh, which is great news for everyone. As you say, they did... Uh, yeah. They, um, they concleft the shit out of that decision. They uh, mm -hmm. really uh, concleft it beautifully. Or concleaved it. I don't know, it's, what's the... What's the past tense of that? I like concleaved. Concleaved. I mean, that sounds, they, but they both sound nice. Yeah. They're both nice to say, but I'd go concleaved. Uh, he's the first ever Pope from South America, Argentinian, uh, from uh, Buenos yep. Aires, Bishop of Buenos Aires, and in his opening See. Pope speech, my, my Latin's a little bit rusty, but the first thing he said was, uh, we in the Vatican City now lay claim to the Falkland Islands. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> And then, uh, he's also a big hip-hop fan, he wowed the crowd by saying, uh, I love it when you call me Big Popper. So, um, <laughs> and he also said this, uh, these rather touching words, he said, this is a wonderful journey from infinity back to infinity. And, uh, sorry, no, that wasn't actually the Pope who said that, that was a deranged man talking to himself on the tube on the way in today who said that. But it could really? have been the Pope. Oh. And I think, you know, who does that tell you more about, the Pope or the man on the tube? Well, it... It tells us an equal amount about both of them, Andy. And the fact that I wrote it down, it probably tells you something about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think that's much more... <laughs> the bigger lesson is there. So, let's take a closer look at the man who has seized this opportunity with both flippers. <laughs> and the man who will, <laughs> who will presumably have asked the question on his very first morning as Pope that all of us want an answer to, which is, how, with all the money that the Vatican has, do they not have robot butlers? <laughs> it just makes... <laughs> No sense, Andy. Um, so there's a lot of uh, firsts that this Pope is. Yep. Pope Francis is the first ever Pope Francis. He's also the first Jesuit to be Pope. Also the first Pope from outside Europe in a thousand years, over a thousand years. Also the first Pope from the Americas. Also apparently the first Pope to have wind beneath my wings as his karaoke, and I quote, go-to tune. <laughs> uh, also, John, he's the first yeah. Pope with only one lung. Yes, so, that's true. Which is wonderful, because, you know, clearly they're reaching out to uh, the Catholic community in South America, reaching out beyond the Vatican's traditional papal breeding grounds of Europe to more of the world's 1.2 billion Catholics, and also reaching out to animals who only have one lung, which predominantly are <laughs> snakes, as... <laughs> As we know from my stag weekend in Scotland. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but it's good to see that bridge being built by the Catholic Church, finally, because it's been tricky between us and the snakes ever since the whole Eve and the Apple business. Yeah. But, um, so that's great to choose a Pope who can relate, who snakes can relate to on a, just in terms of, you know, body issue. Yeah. Well, he apparently had a lung removed when he was a teenager due to an infection which... Yeah, means he's a one-lung pope, and that really sticks <laughs> it to the other cardinals, Andy, yeah. who couldn't become pope even though they had twice as many lungs as he did. <laughs> I mean, it's pathetic when you think about it. Also, the first pope for over 300 years to have a tattoo. Uh, from some angles, it looks like Jesus blessing a donkey, but from others, it looks like Jane Mansfield in a bikini cleaning a car windscreen, but that's the, that's the 1950s for you, isn't it? <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's look at his Pope stats, Andy. He can fire off 32 prayers a minute with no warm-up. He's batting 326 at getting prayers into heaven with those prayers in scoring position. Uh, he takes a papal rope-sized medium and a papal headgear-sized maximum. He can run 100 metres in full papal regalia in less than 45 seconds. And his record in fistfights with other popes is currently zero wins, zero losses, but that may be amended after he meets with Pope Benedict. We'll have to re-up those stats. Uh, he was very much an outsider 
had becoming Pope, most betting sites had him at around 33 to 1. Uh, so congratulations if for some inexplicable <laughs> reason you were betting on that. Uh, that would be why, a, why wouldn't you bet on it? <laughs> it would be a, it would be an amazingly strange response, Andy. Someone in St. Peter's Square, as <laughs> the news came out, and the new Pope is Jorge Mario Bergoglio. Yes! <laughs> yes! Well, I'm so glad you feel so passionately that he's the right choice for the church. Oh, never mind that. I just won 300 grand. Hallelujah! <laughs> well, just, I don't know if you saw that there was a lot of litter in St. Peter's Square after the crowd had dispersed. Maybe it's just a lot of betting slips <laughs> torn up. Oh, ah, shit. Bloody. I thought the Brazilian was a shoo-in. <laughs> Perhaps that's why the Cardinals were not allowed cell phones in there, Andy. You, you didn't want them to be tempted to go in big just before the white smoke went up. It's, it's a little, it is a little strange uh, that he was seen as such a long shot, as he was apparently the second choice of the conclave that elected Pope Benedict eight years ago. So, you know, never the bridesmaid, never the bride, Andy, but now he's the Pope. He's Gary Goblet service, he's God's official answer phone. <laughs> I'm afraid God's not available right now, but if you leave a message with me, he'll get right back to you. Um, uh, Argentinian Pope, that's, uh, very, I mean, I like, uh, yeah. like you, John, I was hoping for a Brazilian Pope, for a, you know, yeah. a flare Pope. Flair, a, a flare yeah, Pope. Pope Aldinho, uh, but we didn't get that. Um, but if Argentinian Catholicism is anything like Argentinian football, he's probably not afraid of a challenge, and, and that is a good quality in a Pope, because there are a lot of challenges <laughs> facing the Catholic Church. Uh, spiritual renewal, he talked about, and that's only true, because somewhere along the line, in parts of the Catholic Church, Jesus' teachings of peace, tolerance, love, and avoiding institutionalised child abuse scandals, and even more institutionalised cover-ups of those scandals, mm -hmm. have occasionally not been applied with quite as much religious fervour as, as they might have been. Um, he warns that the Catholic Church would become, quote, a compassionate NGO without spiritual renewal. Now, which is a slightly odd thing to say, really. Um, yeah. And also as if compassion is something that they cannot possibly afford to be associated <laughs> with. Yeah, because would being a compassionate NGO really be that bad? When you're warning people against something, aren't you supposed to use an example that doesn't sound inherently appealing? <laughs> Unless we confess to Christ, we'll become the food equivalent of a creamy chocolate eclair. <laughs> and no one wants that, right? <clears throat> Hold on, whose stomach just rumbled? I, I don't think you're getting the point that I'm trying to get across here. When I actually read it, I thought that's what he said that his aspiration was. It's like, now right. my new reign is in, we're yeah. going to become... A great compassionate NGO. I thought brilliant. Yeah, that's the no, opposite I'm, of what he wants. No, that was that was the absolute endpoint of the worst <laughs> hypothetical decisions that could be made. It was the opposite of what he was saying. And he, he explained it by saying, "What would happen would be like when children make sandcastles, and then it all falls down." Well, for a start, I think the Catholic Church has had enough trips to the beach with children. But also, <laughs> um, what? <laughs> well, what, I mean, what, what happens when children make sandcastles and they fall down is usually. You go back to the hotel and get some supper before saying, "Okay, kids, you've had three days on the beach. Tomorrow it's mummy and daddy's turn to choose. We're going to a fucking water park." <laughs> uh, much has been made of Pope Francis' lifetime of work with the poor in Argentina and his commitment to a humble lifestyle. He lived among the poor back home, choosing not to take the opulent residence that he was absolutely entitled to as Bishop of Buenos Aires. Uh, he rode a bus to work, wore an ordinary robe, and lived with an older priest in a simple apartment where he cooked his own meals. He's a famously humble man, and he's not fond of flashy things, which uh, really makes you think, well, good luck living in the f***ing Vatican, <laughs> then. 
Because that place is the epitome of opulence. That place makes most rappers' mansions look like humble Argentinian priest dwellings. <laughs> it's literally designed to make you think, oh, wow, if they're this successful, maybe there's something in this whole Catholic thing. <laughs> does suggest that he might be thinking about, you know, a lick of paint in the Sistine Chapel, just a kind of plain... Mm -hmm. Magnolia yeah, colour. Yeah, yeah just right, exactly. It's too flashy, isn't it? It's too flashy. Yeah. Let's just get a kind of a corn yellow <laughs> in there, just over the... Just, or an, just an eggshell white. You know what, corn yellow is too flashy. Just let, let's go, let's yeah. go eggshell white. Maybe a yucca plant in a corner, or some dry his, flowers. Uh, his, his first tweet, uh, this Pope, was Habimus Papum Franciscum. Uh, which, look, let's be honest, that sounds like a spell, Andy. <laughs> was, he, was he trying to turn a cardinal into a frog? Or was he trying to erase everybody's memory of the last 20 years? <laughs> uh, translated from the Latin, it means, we have a new Pope Francis. And I like that, Andy, especially if he keeps referring to himself for his whole papacy in the third person. <laughs> Pope Francis feeling great today. Pope Francis just prayed up a storm. Pope Francis got hungry, so Pope Francis just demolished a carbonara. <laughs> and his final tweet, the devil, he try acting up, but Pope Francis don't play that shit. <laughs> Hashtag for realsies. <laughs> Also, being an Argentinian pope, uh, probably not afraid of a big chunk of beef, which is good news for him, John, because a couple of hundred years away from his new home in St. Peter's Square is a sensationally good steakhouse with a fridge full of <laughs> dead cow by the entrance. <laughs> so I, I assume he's going to be heading straight down there. Absolutely straight there. Pope Francis has named himself after St. Francis of Assisi. He was the patron yes. saint of animals, often portrayed with a bird on his hand, possibly explaining why he's also the patron saint's of hand-washing and the patron saint of latex gloves. Um, <laughs> the very famous story about St. Francis, John, uh, travelling with his buddies, and he came across some trees that were jam-packed full of birds. So he told his pals to stop whilst he preached to his sisters, the birds, and the birds came flocking down to him. Hey, look, folks, he said, they flocked to me, the little flappy flaphounds. I think they really, <laughs> just really love my voice, because I'm, I'm amazing. Sure, St. Francis said his friends. You, you might like to factor in the fact that you're wearing a jacket made of seeds. Yeah, so I like to dress snappy, said St. Francis. What's wrong with that? Uh, well, you're gonna have to buy a new jacket. That's all. All right, Aristotle, put a f***ing sock in it. Just cause you can't hold a tune. That's <laughs> a great book, isn't it, Andy? It's, a great, it's been a while since either of us have read it, but it's a great book. <laughs> um, although dour in appearance, this Pope apparently has a sense of humour. Uh, apparently, well, apparently so. At, at his first dinner, as Pope, on Wednesday night, he reportedly toasted his fellow cardinals with a prayerful quip May God forgive you for what you have done. And that's a bold joke, Andy, because that <laughs> might have been a tense moment for a cardinal or two in there. Oh, shit! How did you find out about that? <laughs> I thought I got away with that. I was so careful. Oh, wait, what are you talking about? Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Yeah, you were, you were joking about uh, us picking you as Pope. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I was definitely joking too. I was just acting like someone who has a terrible secret that he's been keeping for decades <laughs> as a goof. I love jokes. Oh. Can someone pass me an extra napkin, please? It's feeling very hot in here. <laughs> uh, interestingly, the Vatican have finally revealed uh, what goes into the... Uh, create the smoke that is revealed, uh, that, that reveals whether or not a pope has been chosen. They have the black smoke for when it's, uh, he's mm -hmm. not been chosen, and uh, the white smoke for uh, when they have made the decision. Um, both, according to the New York Times report, made with fairly standard pyrotechnic formulas. Uh, black smoke made using potassium perchlorate, Anthracene, that's a component of coal tar, and also the name of one of Tom Cruise's children. Um, sulfur, <laughs> the, name of, the name of another one of Tom Cruise's children. 
Uh, whereas the white smoke uh, is made using potassium chlorate, milk sugar, which apparently is an easily ignitable fuel, and pine rosin, plus, uh, to give it its distinctive white colour, one kilogram of cocaine, three polar bear cubs, and a small <laughs> cricketer. But, but interestingly, do you know this? Legally, smoking bans cannot be legally enforced on Catholics if they claim they're thinking about electing a new pope whilst, whilst puffing Good on the cigarette. Yeah, that is, a, that is a good idea. Just, oh, I wonder who it's going to be. Now, what's funny, as you watch this whole re revealing of the new pope at the Vatican, and we've got all the people who are crying and waving their flags, etc., and the television cameras for about an hour were looking at this grand balcony in the Vatican, and as they're dressing the new pope, the white smoke has already come out, and they're putting on the finest clothes, etc. I'm obsessed with the red shoes, but they're putting his red shoes on. It just looks goofy to me, but hey, that's just me. Um, I thought for a second, because somebody here mentioned, I think in fact it was John Irola in the studio, saying like, yeah, this is what Jesus would have wanted. Think about that, right? Did Jesus say, hey, you know what, get a guy, dress him up really fancy, okay, put him on a really grand balcony at this amazing mansion, and then when he comes out, everybody cry and clap, and everybody bow your head and listen to every word he says. If you read the New Testament, that would seem to be really close to the opposite of what Jesus said. He, remember, he threw the money changers out of the temple. He did not like the organized religion of that time. He fought against organized religion. What's the Catholic Church? Organized religion! <laughs> I mean, down to what kind of shoes you're going to wear and what kind of funny clothes you're going to ride in and what kind of Pope mobile you're going in. So, and... Then, of course, you get to the things that I, I know Catholics get mad at me, but really infallible? Infallible. And then they make all sorts of excuses. Well, we're kind of infallible, infallible in the doctrine, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. I got news for you. He's not infallible. Five minutes before he was declared Pope, everybody was arguing with this guy. They were like, oh, come on, Bergoglio, you don't know anything, man. Come on. What are we going to get? We're going to get subs or pizza? What are we getting? Oh, don't listen to Bergoglio. Let's get subs, right? And then he becomes Pope. Oh, of course, of course, pizza. I'm sorry, man, the dude's infallible. He can't be wrong. Get pepperoni pizza. That's it. He's not infallible. How could you possibly believe that? How could you possibly believe it? All right. And then the communication with God. Well, we got two popes now. Who's text messaging the, the, the God now? It doesn't make any sense. You really think like... Yeah, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, okay. What would you like me to do? Mm -hmm. But wait a minute. The last pope, Pope Benedict, canceled purgatory. How do you not stop being a Catholic? I mean, your whole life you've been told, oh, purgatory, man. Like, I mean, there's heaven, there's hell, and then there's that middle ground that's kind of shaky. It's not great. It's not terrible. I mean, at least you're not getting tortured, right? And Pope comes in and says, oh, wait, hold on. I'm getting a message. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God just tweeted me. Purgatory's gone. But wait, did it exist and then you just wiped it away or it never existed? And so that was a huge mistake. So then how could you be infallible? Come Please, please. I mean, even if you're a Christian, you shouldn't believe any of this stuff. And if you're not a Christian, it looks downright 
comical. All right, J.R. Jackson, uh, we call you Reverend J.R. Uh, you're a good Christian. Uh, will you be listening to the commands of uh, the Pope from high above, literally high above on his balcony? I thought it was just uh, Catholics they were supposed to. I, I, know no, they... I know, I know, but come on, come on. Look, uh, you guys are a breakaway republic, these Protestants, okay? Get back in line. Uh, I was raised in a Baptist church, excuse me. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the, the thing I've, I've wondered and, and noticed... It happens in all, you know, I think in, not, I mean, not all, I've studied a bunch of religions, but different kinds of Christianity. Like, when I grew up, there was the pastor of the church, right? And then some people looked at the pastor like he really knew more and had a direct connection to God that you can't have. And as a 10-year-old, I was sitting there going, well, I thought he just was good at interpreting what the Bible's talking about. I didn't think I was supposed to speak through him to speak to God. I just never saw that. I never saw the reasoning for that because I still saw him. As, oh, that's this guy who probably goes home and cusses out his wife because he has this he has this weird like anger that rolls up sometimes. In it, so. <laughs> and he's shaking his head. Especially you're in a Baptist church, and he's getting all worked up. You're like, I don't know, that guy's got right. you know. And it was okay him. because he was good at what he did. Fine. It's like I saw this like that's his job. It's what he does, and doesn't mean that he knows God because this thing they taught you have a personal and close relationship with God. I was like, so what does this guy have to do with it? So when it comes on a broader scale where you have a pope, I'm really thinking these thousands and millions of people, I don't know how many people were in the crowd, obviously not millions, but yeah. how do you stand there and go, a new God, a new God person has walked. What how, Again, it doesn't mean it lowers your belief in God or any of that stuff. That's why I always made the connection. So how is it you believe this guy is now saying things to God that you can't? It's, right. it's, it's lowering yourself. And, and not. I, I think... Slapping God in the face. Oh, that's strong. That's, that's fascinating. One other thing about that, Ratzinger, I guess, now that he's no longer the acting pope, is now fallible again. So, I, like, he doesn't have a wife, but if he did, I'm imagining, like, his wife's like, oh, thanks, God. All right, now, listen, man, I got this thing bottled up for eight years. You did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Okay, and now I'm going to regulate. It's my time. Jose Mario Bergoglio was elected the 266th pontiff of the Roman Catholic Church. It was a tough race for Pope that got down and dirty, as evidenced by Cardinal Bergoglio's attack ads aimed at the frontrunner, Cardinal Gianfranco Ravisi. Paid for by the committee to elect Cardinal Jorge Mario Bergoglio Pope, 2013. I am Cardinal Jorge Mario Bergoglio. And I approve of this epistle. Cardinal Gianfranco Ravisi, a modern leader who types his very own tweets. Cardinal Ravisi is so modern, last week he tweeted that he listens to Amy Winehouse. Listens to Amy Winehouse, does he? Hmm. Wasn't she one of the chosen people? 
The very same people who chose to reject our Lord and Savior? Who else is Cardinal Ravisi taking his orders from? Muslims? Like Cat Stevens? Cardinal Jorge Mario Berholio listens to nobody. For more than 20 years, Cardinal Jorge Mario Berholio has ignored pleas to ordain female priests. He opposes abortion, even when the mother's life is in danger, and gets an A rating from the NRA, the National Raffle Association. Cardinal Jorge Mario Berholio knows how to lead this church into the previous century. With stronger sermons against same-sex marriage, more priests consigning rape victims to hell, and restoring the Vatican's time-honored tradition of encouraging poor people to make more babies. Cardinal Jorge Mario Berholio, stagnation you can believe in. I am Cardinal Jorge Mario Bergoglio, and I approve of this epistle. Paid for by the committee to elect Cardinal Jorge Mario Bajolio, Pope, MMXIII. Welcome to Frank Conniff's America, starring Frank Conniff. I'm your host, Janie Haddad Tompkins. The Catholic Cardinals have chosen a new Pope, and I have as my guest a man who is hoping he'd be the next Pope. Please welcome Cardinal Paul of Sherman Oaks. Now, excuse me, but I didn't know that Sherman Oaks had its own cardinal. Yes, indeed it does. For a long time, I was the Archbishop of Sepulveda Boulevard, but I was eventually promoted to cardinal. Okay, you're now a cardinal who wanted to be Pope. So why aren't you in Rome? Rome? Why would I be in Rome? That's where the Vatican is, and that's where they've picked the new Pope. Well, nobody told me about this. The Vatican is based out of Rome these days? Wow, I guess I didn't get the last newsletter. Well, considering that you didn't know that the Vatican is in Rome, why do you think you should have been chosen as the new pope? Because I'd take charge and see that things got done. For instance, I think this whole pedophile priest brouhaha is outrageous. It's a scandal. I'm glad to hear you say that. Yes, it's a scandal that the church is starting to ban pedophile priests. What? Look, for centuries now, the Catholic Church has been a place where gay pedophiles could come and feel safe. Well, if you take away the incentive to join, nobody is going to want to become a priest anymore. <laughs> and if that happens, the church will collapse. So you don't like it when pedophile priests are called out on their behavior? Well, it used to be that if some parishioner raised a stink about a, a priest molesting an altar boy, it turned into an opportunity for the priest to see the world free of charge. He'd get to witness what parishes in other parts of the globe are like. For a long time, the Catholic Church was like a travel agency for perverts. But those days are now gone. I hate to say this, but your comments are making me wonder about your predilections. Oh, I'm no pedophile. Personally, I don't know why anyone would need to find an outside outlet for their sexuality in an organization that allows so much corporal punishment. In fact, I don't think we should describe our religion as Catholicism anymore. I have come up with a much better name. What's that? Rough Trade. You want Catholicism to be officially known as Rough Trade? Yes. I've got all sorts of great ideas like that to modernize the church. What about women? What about them? Ugh, they're gross. Okay, I have to stop it right here. Even though you're saying some completely insane and irrational things, 
You still don't seem like a Catholic cardinal to me. For one thing, you're not wearing any cardinal robes. You're just wearing a T-shirt and a chef's apron that says "World's Greatest Cardinal" on it. Well, I happen to think that the future of religion hinges on novelty clothing. I have a really fun T-shirt that I'll give you for a small contribution. Look, it says, "I went to Catholic church and all I got was scarred for life." Cardinal Paul of Sherman Oaks, thank you for joining us, and may God have mercy on your soul. God, why bring him up? Geez, that came out of left field. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week. Help more people plug into the truly liberal media and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. So it's 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 great that we have this new pope, right? The new pope. He's from uh, Argentina, right? Copacabana. I've already made that joke twice now. And um, so they say he's a Jesuit, and he picked the name Francis because it's very significant because it shows how concerned he is with the poor, and he is concerned about the poor. Not concerned enough to sell all their artwork for the trillions of dollars and give it to the poor, but still super concerned. <laughs> He's still super concerned about them. So I don't know. I don't like the You know what? I, I was willing to... Well, here's what... Chris Matthews, he's a great journalist, right? So here, <laughs> here he is. He's very skeptical of this guy. Here's what he had to say about it. Here's what he said. I really liked him immediately. That first impression, the guy... Just... Oh, okay, good. You liked him right away. Okay, there uh -huh. you go, Chris. At first, he's objective. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear, how... Little things, the way he was not taking instruction from the people who are choreographing him. He said, no, give me this now and do this now. He seemed to be calling the shots right from the, the get-go. Maybe that's an over-interpretation, but it's the way I saw it tonight. Yeah. Okay, maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe it is. You've got just about nothing to go on, but I like the guy. I really do. I like this guy who's now the CEO of a criminal organization. I think he's a good guy. And uh, he's... Women, women love this pope. They love a guy who's a hero. With a swagger. He's making, he's going to... That's what he said about Bush on Mission Accomplished. Sorry. Yes. No, I like he's, how... He's, he's, you know, he's down to earth. He's going to make a movie to uh, relate to the average people called Francis the Talking Pope. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, he's a pope of the people. He's a people pope. A popal. I thought he was going to do uh, Francis the Talking Drug Mule. <laughs> no, he was he was standing there uh, uh, looking uh, aside when uh, all those priests were making their penis disappear. Why, why Jim? What did I? When? What? Jim, why is it that that what? if that nobody gets a pass about being a bigot towards gays except religious people somehow 
It's something like this guy, like Chris I Matthews in the Bible. Chris, Chris, Ma- in the Bible. Chris Matthews why. right away is like, I like this guy. I li- everybody, oh, we're ever excited. I like this guy. You mean you like this guy who's a bigot towards gays? Chris Matthews is starstruck every time <coughs> he has some. Every, he, who else in somebody the world? Powerful. Yeah. Who else in the world would you say I like this guy if he hated blacks or if he hated Mexicans or Jews? But right. if he outwardly and publicly is mm-hmm. discriminatory towards gays mm-hmm. and says it's and says okay. that it's okay. Okay it's, it's okay to hate gays if you walk around in a dress and funny hat <laughs> and have all kinds of crazy pomp and circumstance. Uh, then it's okay to hate gays. Well, y- isn't the point that he's al- he's also the the pope who's going to be worried about the poor? Yes. So uh, if you are a poor gay kid. You're out of luck. He carries about half of you. Yes. Just a, just a half of you. I like I, the way that, like, Philip Morris, uh, the Catholic Church, is moving into third world countries after yes. <laughs> losing a lot of customers in the yes. more developed areas. They're, they're going to start killing and you know, exploiting uh, people in third world countries. That's a gr- it's, hard to, it's hard to make a convincing case about your um, concern with the poor when your introduction to the world is on the balcony of your palace. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you guys. I don't know if you know this, but today when he was, you know, starting his new life, he went and actually paid off his own hotel bill. Oh, isn't that That's what a real duty is. He's down to earth. Plus, he tipped the chambermaid. I just want to mention that. Here's what I don't get. He was staying at a youth hostel where you share the bathroom. Big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Here's here's what I don't. So what they do is they go, yeah, sure, he hates the gays. Like people like Chris Matthews, he won't hold his feet to the fire on this. He'll say he loves this pope, even though the guy's a gay bigot, which you wouldn't say that about anybody else in any other realm of world of the life. But the guy who's supposed to be the most loving, the most Christ-like, the most forgiving is actually the opposite of that and you're still going to embrace this guy who's a, not only a, he's a hypocrite but a bigot and you're okay with it but what they do frank is they give him this rick santorum defense they go no 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 he really believes it which somehow makes ignorance and bigotry it turns it into a virtue if you really believe your ignorance then somehow you you're closer to god and also people like chris matthews will say uh, oh i like this guy you know there's someone like the Pope can make all these uh, hateful remarks towards homosexuals, like like what he actually said, which is that um, gay adoption is child abuse, and he's made all these kinds of these crazy statements. And Chris Matthews, people like Chris Matthews, will say, "Oh, but I like this guy." And then if if Howard Dean like screams at his campaign <laughs> rally, they'll spend months talking about how crazy he is. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're done with the poll. Oh no, here is so here's I got one more. So I'm watching I was watching the the hardball. They had on uh the who's who's the plagiarizer from Morning Joe? What's his name? Oh Mike uh, Bonacle. Mike Bonacle. Yeah. So here's Bonacle and here's what he had to say about the Pope. Let's hear what he has to say about the Pope. I agree with George. I think, you know, we don't want to misread or misinterpret or interpret too early his politics. But the fact is that he does stand for social justice. He is a Jesuit, and and we have not. And and he stands on behalf of victims, victims of all sorts of things, victims of economic injustice, victims of social inequality, victims of racial inequality. How about victims of rape by a priest? How about does he stand for them? Does he stand up? Let's see if he's. And, and even 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 sexual inequality. He has, I think, addressed that in part, not. 
I think many American Catholics hoping for a more progressive view of Catholicism are going to be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, he's still he's still backwards. They're still ignorant. They're still bigots. And we're so upset about it, but he's a man of God. <laughs> he is very close to God. I mean, the first ceremony, the big thing they did, they handed over to him Christ's, Christ's 11 secret herbs and spices. <laughs> I mean, there, there's my bond. I mean, th these guys just bending over backwards, doing mental gymnastics to try to make this guy out to be something he isn't, which he's not a good guy. This guy is well, a. It's just they want to revere him right off the bat, right, just because it's the Catholic Church. Oh come on! Can it be great? Can it be nice for us? It's this. It's really disgusting, and I know I harp on the. Well, I grew up Catholic, so that's why. Tw you know, uh, Twelve years uh, of Catholic schools, so that's why I'm kind of against I, it. I, you know, I understand though what they're talking about. I mean, the 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 Catholic Church in a lot of cities is has a lot of soup kitchens and does do a lot of work with the poor and is can be a great force for good. To me, the most infuriating thing about the Catholic Church is that it could be a greater force for good if it would stay out of people's bodies. Hey, if, and, and, if they, of, you know, and if they weren't tax-free, because, you yes. know, we're paying for that. Yeah. You know what, isn't it a little convenient that they're so charitable? Isn't it a little convenient <laughs> yeah. that they, that don't they do something like 50% all charitable work comes from the Catholic Church in the United States or something like that? Mm. Isn't that just blood money? Haven't yeah. enough yes. children been raped yes. so we can keep donating money to the Catholic Be Church? I just, yeah, I, I don't power, think that's... It's a power-hungry corporate... Their, uh, main, uh, their main charity is a charitable, uh, charitable attitude towards pedophiles. Yeah. Well, Isn't that the ultimate? Here's what I don't get, right? It's so, uh, hey, if, if I wanted to be able to rape people with impunity, all I have to do is go donate my time at a soup kitchen? And get a and people yeah. will be, hey, buddy, donates his time at a soup kitchen. Yeah, but he raped my sister. Come on! Magda Goebbels was a good Catholic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, and a Protestant. I just, I, hey, uh, that's kind of unfair. Yeah. It's a big organization. It's not that black and white. So they, listen, they clearly do a lot of good things. I so. get that they do what? good things, and I get no. But that's my point. My point is, if, if you do if you do good things, does that excuse the horrible child torture no. that you are now doing as an organism? It's not like random. This is or institutional child rape that is being I implemented. It's being enabled. And and it's being and it's almost they're almost guaranteeing it will happen again to people who turn to them for spiritual protection. The people who should it's gross. but you're acting like it's a single monolithic institution and it's, it is. It hey, tries women, that, but the Pope, no, no, the Pope no, no, hold on, Steph, Steph, Here's the thing: it is a monolith. The, what are you that, that is not true. There are a lot of people for whom the the, the church is, is the, a local parish. Who's their leader? Just hold on. Okay, this is not, that is not true. There are a lot of people for whom their local parish, their local priest is a good guy who has helped a lot of people. And that is, that's, that's really unfair to a lot of people who are trying to do good work. Not unfair at all. Now, I think, I, I, I think the institution is, is horrific and has done some horrific things, but it is incredibly unfair to paint the entire My thing. chapter of the KKK does a lot of good charity work. You can't paint them all bad because there's, the whole. Listen, there's been um, uh, child, there's been child abuse and covering up of child abuse in every single Catholic parish, but those are all isolated cases. You know what, Robert? They went just recently the Cloyne report, which we talked about on this show. The Cloyne report, which is from one county in Ireland, Cloyne. 
the county of Cloyne, they found that 19 priests were pedophiles and they didn't investigate any of them in one county. Yeah, but that's... And that was, that, and that was right now. That wasn't 40 years ago. That's right but, now. So you saying that is giving cover to people who should be screaming at the top of their lungs that the people... What you name me one priest in one parish who's doing good works, who stood up on a Sunday and said the bishop should resign. Look, I got a person. Not one. Wait a minute, Jim. Not one priest has done that. Not one bishop has gone to jail, and they're all still members of that organization, which makes them part of it. Robert, you're part of a child rape organization, and there's no two ways around that. You're I don't care how many people you help. So you should. So if you're a priest, you're saying you should resign. Yes. If you think that the institution, and, and I kind of agree with you, but you should, the institution you should stop a, running your parish. You should stop working with your community. You should demand that the people Justice. responsible for child rape go to jail. And you shouldn't and if you're be okay not, with them transferring to another parish. And if they don't, and if they don't, then you leave. And guess you what? You leave that the, organization. And yes. The, and the because Pope if was you aware. don't leave that organization, you're giving your tacit approval for what's happening. Every Catholic who stays a Catholic and gives money to, they just had a settlement yesterday, Robert, here in Los Angeles. Do you know how much money? It was 20 million, I think it was 20 million dollars. Is going out the door. You know what? And Let it me was supposed to be a hundred million. Let me double check that number. But it was some huge number going out to pay off to pay off pe people who were raped by priests well, and then know, and then protected by bishops. So that's what that's when you give your money to that church at that good priest church. He's giving that money to the to the bishop and he's giving it to a lawyer who's covering up for a rapist. Morgan from Chicago here. Uh, I'm calling in response to your recent episode on the Pope, though this voicemail isn't really about the Pope at all. First off, uh, I'm a progressive and a Christian, and while personally I see no conflict uh, whatsoever between those two, I often end up in this in-between area where progressives disagree with me on my faith and Christians disagree with me on my politics. And I knew when I first started listening to your podcast that there would likely be several episodes attacking the church, and it's completely deserved, and most of the time, I completely agree with the critiques. So, with that said, in your recent episode, you had a moment from the Jimmy Dore show where they were responding to a couple of Catholic writers who were on Up With Chris Hayes. I'll say first that I absolutely love the Jimmy Dore show, uh, but there was something about that clip that just bothered me, both when I heard it on Jimmy's podcast and then again when I heard it on yours. And I think I figured out the two reasons why it bothered me. First, it bugs me when anyone completely dissects and tears apart an incredibly brief, unprepared response from a random person on television, and so much meaning is inferred that we have no idea if it was intended or not, uh, especially when that person you're dissecting is somewhat inconsequential. So in that way, I just felt like everyone on Jimmy Dore for that clip are just entirely attacking the wrong person and something amazingly minute. But the bigger thing that bugged me is that it seems like religion and the church is the one topic that progressives refuse to view with any sort of nuance. Uh, everything is black and white, which is oddly something we as progressives often criticize Christians about. 
if you're a priest, you're either a child rapist or you're covering up for one. And even beyond that, in this clip, if you don't leave the church entirely, that means you're okay with child rapists. And in that frame of mind, there's just no room for the people and priests in the church who are genuinely doing good things and are trying to change the culture and image of the church from the inside out. Robert Yasamura was trying to make a point along those lines on another show, but he was pretty outnumbered and kind of got pushed aside. This is not, that is not true. There are a lot of people for whom their local parish, their local priest is a good guy who has helped a lot of people. And that is, that's, that's really unfair to a lot of people who are trying to do good work. So as someone involved in the church and is progressive and is reaching out and trying to care for the least of us, I just wanted to remind you and everyone else that there are still good people in the church who are also disgusted with what the church has done and are trying to change that. I don't expect to, nor am I trying to win anyone over with this message, and the onus is on Christians and Catholics to earn back the benefit of the doubt from the rest of the world because we have lost it and it's entirely our fault. Anyway, this can obviously be part of a much much bigger discussion, but I hope my point of view is at least interesting. And uh, in my experience, people like me are not uncommon in the real world, but we seem to be extremely rare, if not entirely non-existent, in any media, be it progressive, conservative, or beltway. Love the show. Keep up the good work, Jay. Later. Hi, Jay. This is Dave from Olympia, Washington. I just wanted to call today and simple message just how much I enjoy the show and particularly the voicemail section. It's always kind of a highlight of the show to see uh, you know, what people are thinking about. And there's several people that call in regularly that are just such a treat. Uh, and I just heard um, Mara's comment in response to the guy that uh, seemed to think that uh, white males were getting beat up on. And it just, it, it, was, it was what I would have said if I were more articulate and had had the time to respond and wasn't a week behind that episode. So it's just, it's just nice to hear people's voices and especially... In a weird sort of way, people that I've never met, I don't have any way to contact directly through email or phone, but I feel like a camaraderie with through a kind of a community. So that it just struck me how both odd and wonderful that was. So just wanted to share that. Love everything you do, and uh, keep it up. Thank you very much. Hey, Jay, it's Colin. Uh, I was just listening to the last podcast and uh, what Hamish was talking about, uh, being proud of America. I think this is a great uh, time to point out some of the differences in paradigm between progressives and conservatives. The first example is American exceptionalism. The conservatives seem to think that being born within these borders makes you an exceptional. As a progressive, I think that... Uh, what we've done each generation trying to make things better despite the heinous crimes and, tra and travesty that this country has perpetrated it seems that in throughout history we've always tried to correct our mistakes and better ourselves and make things more even for our citizens to me that is american exceptionalism another key point is immigration Conservatives think, okay, we were born within these borders. This makes us great. You don't belong here. But, Jay, on the Irish side of my family, I'm 10th generation Irish-American. My family fought in the revolution. And 
I don't think I have any more right being in this country than someone who shows up here yesterday, today, or tomorrow. My family was immigrants. Unless you're American Indian, we were all immigrants. And it really sickens me when I see people today, Americans, basically look down their nose at other people wanting the same thing that Americans' ancestors did. We wanted, you know, a better life, a better place. These people want the same thing we have. And now Americans turn around and bastardize these people for what, you know, for doing what we did or our grandfathers did or our great-great-great-grandfathers did. That's where it's at the point in my life anymore where when I meet a really staunch conservative, it's to the point where I feel that I can't even talk to them because you can't reach someone who doesn't want to be reached. I'll try if someone has an open mind, but again, you know, not everyone's willing to listen. Love the show, Jay. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So I had a funny thought the other day that I thought I would share in in place of an actual uh, commentary of substance. And so first of all, just are you familiar with uh, Garrison Keillor? The you know NPR star he does the Prayer Home Companion, uh, most well known for Tales from Lake Wobegon, where all the uh, men are good looking, all the women are strong, and all the children are, are above average. That's what he's known for. I've been listening to those stories since I was a kid. It's like I can't remember a time in my life when uh, when I wasn't listening to those, and I, I remember one that was just a f- pretty recently, a few years ago, I mean, at least I heard it for the first time a few years ago, when he did this really interesting thing. I mean, if you're not familiar, first of all, the premise is he tells these stories of the town he ostensibly grew up in, Lake Wobegon, which is a mythical town. It doesn't really exist, but he, he tells these funny stories of all these fictional people and all these uh, you know fictional tales. But this one time I heard him, he sort of, sort of broke character almost and and basically admits that the town isn't real and that he was having he was uh, being very introspective on the idea and he, he thought you know like i feel like although maybe the town isn't real that i sometimes wonder if i if i tell the stories exactly right i i, I include the perfect details and you know every every hair on every character's head is exactly the where where it's supposed to be then i will actually be lifted up from where i live now and transported to lake wobegon that it it will simply like pop into existence all of a sudden and and so he that's sort of what he's striving for at all times he tells these he tells these stories because he so desperately wants to live in this sort of mythical town and so what occurred to me is that's almost how I feel doing this show. I mean, it's especially like the end of the show where I figure out what I'm going to talk about each, each time and, and put some thoughts together and, uh, or, you know, or respond to voicemails. Because, you know, I have this sense like I try really, really hard to not only say what I think but also be right and, and then also to say with the exact correct combination of words exactly what I think so that it can't possibly be misconstrued and and the understanding of my meaning will come across and, and you know everyone will understand and so I, I had this sense like in, in, the, in the way that he hopes 
that if he tells the stories of Lake Wobegon exactly right, he'll be lifted up and taken to Lake Wobegon. My sense is that if I ever walk that line so perfectly that I say exactly what I mean and tell, you know, give my opinion and, and structure it in such a way that is just perfect, that understanding will just emanate like a shockwave from an atom bomb or something. And, and finally, you know, if, if only for one brief shining moment, everyone who hears it would then say like, oh, I get it. I understand. And that makes sense. So, you know, that said, uh, you know, I think I think my chances of having everyone who hears what I say uh, actually understand what I mean is about as likely as Garrison Keillor being sort of lifted up by the hand of God and transported to a mythical town that he's been telling stories about for 30 years. But it's an interesting thing to strive for. I thought I'd tell that story as a way to kind of like give a give a sense of <laughs> what it's like on this side of the microphone sometimes. So that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show, especially by becoming a member or making one-time donations. That is absolutely how the program survives. Stay tuned in between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com Thought lines now black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Bitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who take you out in the open my life, it's just a fond farewell to a friend.